It is Monday, June 19th. Welcome to the Damon Bruce Show. It's wonderful to have you here once again. What a fun weekend. Great weekend for the Giants. Uh, Very interesting weekend in Los Angeles for the Giants down there and the U.S. Open. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, I had a video that I didn't think would create much of a ripple, create the biggest ripple that I've done here uh, since coming over to YouTube. And we've got a little ripple in the Warriors world this morning, one that everyone should have been expected. There isn't a lot of breaking news here, although there is breaking news that Draymond Green has officially opted out of his final season with the Golden State Warriors. I expected this, and you can check the tape. Uh, you can, you, you should expect this too. This is the opening gambit in a negotiation which will keep Draymond on the team far past just one more year, or, or, uh, maybe he's gone. Maybe he's gone. I tell you, when you do put yourself and throw yourself into that free agency hat, things can change. All of a sudden, maybe a conversation that you weren't having is now one that you are having, and you know, light bulbs start going off in Draymond's mind. Who knows if Draymond's going to find something, an opportunity out there that appeals to him more than coming back and being the right-hand man of Steph Curry and certainly the defensive leader of the Golden State Warriors, I think Draymond's a really smart guy. I think he's very business savvy. Um, I think he understands that the best thing for the Draymond Green industry is not necessarily showing up and winning another title in another uniform as much as trying to find another title in this Golden State Warriors uniform is going to be worth to him. Obviously, he's you know in the statue. He gets his own. He's been a pillar that the excellence this team has enjoyed has been built upon. He's also come with more controversy than most foundational pillars ever get attached to them. That is the beauty. That is the headache. That is Draymond Green all at once. Look, I'd be shocked if the Warriors don't already have a new version of a two- or three-year deal on the table for Draymond right now. Um, but I would also be shocked if Draymond, who is always looking to do, you know, some per- some publicity for himself, doesn't milk this for every drop of publicity and attention to his podcast that it might be worth for him. So an interesting time, but really nothing that interesting has happened yet. Draymond opting out was always the opening gambit to what happened next for Draymond Green. I didn't think he was just going to come back in for a one-year, let's do that. No, a, a player of Draymond Green's caliber does not need to operate on a one-year contract. So that's just the way it goes. This is either a whole big scoop of procedural, don't worry about it, or it really, really, really is truly the beginning of the end because the minute Draymond puts on another uniform, if that's what he isn't about to do, well, the Golden State Warriors are going to be a much different franchise going forward. Uh, It's been a very interesting weekend for the NBA, and it's going to be a great week for the NBA right here on Damon Bruce Plus. Let me tell you that tomorrow, I believe my friend John Dickinson 
Super reporter. Guy knows the Warriors like the back of his hand. He'll be joining me tomorrow. I believe Marcus Thompson is stopping by on Wednesday. And either day of the NBA draft or day after the NBA draft, our pal, cousin Nick Ferdell, is going to stop on by. Looking forward to all of those conversations around what is already a busy week for the NBA and what's going to be a very busy week comes Thursday when we got ourselves the NBA draft. Obviously, the draft starts at 2. It is a foregone conclusion that Victor Webinyama is going number 1 overall, so the draft starts at 2, and it could get really interesting right off the rip, and there is an awful lot of talk that right now the Golden State Warriors might be trading up into the lottery, and in order to do that, Jonathan Kaminga could be the piece that they were willing to move to get that done. Okay, I, I really don't like the way that that sounds to me. You're drafting for what? Size and athletic talent? Well, Kaminga's got both of those things. Kaminga's got two years into the system. I can already hear right now if that were to happen. Like Kaminga traded for a player in the lottery. All right, so this player, whoever he is, gets picked by the Golden State Warriors. And I can already hear the excuses that Steve Kerr has in his own mind for why he doesn't like playing this particular rookie because he doesn't know the system yet and playing next to Draymond and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson is a hard thing to do and blah, 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 blah. Like To me, going from a really raw prospect to the raw prospect that is any haven't played in the NBA prospect, it just it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I really, I, I don't know if this is going to be good for clicks or buzz or whatever. I really don't think the Warriors are about to do anything that dramatic outside of picking at 19. Now, maybe Mike Dunleavy is a new mover and shaker and is going to do something that I'm not expecting. I'd be surprised. We'll find out together, won't we? But I, I just, I, I'm, I think the Warriors are just going to pick at 19. That's what I really think they're going to do. I wouldn't come off the Kaminga project to just start another project with another rookie. I, I wouldn't. I like Kaminga. If the Warriors were to move on from him, they clearly would be saying that they do not. Um, Trace Jackson Davis at 19, the power forward out of Indiana. He's a true front court player, which if you ask me what the Warriors need, they need someone else in that front court who can add a little bit of scoring, a whole lot of rim protection and rebounding. Trace Jackson Davis, again, coming from Indiana. Look, look at it this way. Trace Jackson Davis is going to have dinner at my house if he is the draft pick. I can promise you that. We're going to make him feel extra welcome. Don't draft a Hoosier. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine being a flagship station that, for economic reasons, had to let a Hoosier with great ratings go only to see the Warriors then draft a Hoosier? How stupid those involved would look at that particular time, if you don't mind me saying. Um Trace Jackson Davis, again, he's a rebounding front court player who provides rim protection. He's not selfish with the ball. He's not trying to be a scoring whiz. He's not trying to take the shots that he is uncomfortable taking. He knows who he is, which to me sounds like a really good front court player for the Golden State Warriors. Kevon Looney knows who he is. Draymond Green, in many ways, knows who he is. These are players, that I and look, he's got... NBA DNA coursing through his veins. He's Dale Davis's kid. So uh, if the Warriors were to go in that direction and stick at 19 and a lot of mocks have Trace Jackson Davis just sitting right there, uh, I'd love to see that happen. Um, a great 
weekend for the NBA in terms of just did you get any buzz in the middle of the summer on your way to the NBA draft? And the NBA indeed got some buzz and some bounce out of the Bradley Beal trade to the Phoenix Suns. How about that? That is pretty interesting. Booker, Beal, Kevin Durant. Look, they didn't have to deal DeAndre Ayton to get that done. So I know that Washington was hamstrung because Beal had a full no trade that he that he was willing to exercise unless he was getting the destination that he wanted. I mean, when you look at what the the, the Jazz got back from Rudy Gobert, when you look at the poo-poo platter of draft pick swaps and second pick swaps and what really the Wizards got for Bradley Beal, it makes you say, well, why didn't they deal him in the season? Well, with that no trade, it became difficult to do. Um, what the Wizards want more than a return on Bradley Beal is clearly a push of the reset button once again on their ever lost franchise. So Bradley Beal is gone. That clears the deck and cap space. It clears the deck and just opportunities and how you're building a team now. And, you know, it's, it's the Washington Wizards. So to say that no one really gives a shit is almost an exaggeration. What this means for the Phoenix Suns now, though, is officially interesting. Um, you got a monster starting four in Booker, Beal, KD, and Aiton. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. Josh Okogie is obviously your fifth player out there. So, okay, um, that's interesting. With all due respect to Cameron Payne, who, again, was also not involved in this trade, what does Phoenix have depth-wise? Not a lot. That team is going to go from the summit of the mountaintop of talent to base camp when you get into their depth chart real quick. So I don't know if that's exactly the right way to go about it. Uh, Kevin Durant, it feels like, is always 20 games away now from missing 12 games. Uh, that's just kind of where he is in his career life cycle. At least that's the way it feels. Uh, Bradley Beal always feels like he is good for a week or two on the shelf. Devin Booker again now is is Devin Booker ready to be a full-time point guard like just because someone's really good in the pick and roll and Devin Booker's great in a pick and roll as a ball handler but just because you're good in the pick and roll doesn't mean you're ready to be like a full-time point guard and the reason why the Phoenix Suns need a full-time point guard because is involved in this trade was Chris Paul who found out on an airplane that he was now a Washington wizard, and there's an awful lot of uh, noise out there. Shams is already saying that Washington is looking to move Chris Paul. And there are two teams that have emerged as suitors, one of them the Los Angeles Clippers, the other being the Golden State Warriors. Well, look, um, you know, Warriors and Clippers being the two most talked about dance partners here, this feels very much like a move that the Clippers would make, and that's why the Clippers haven't won shit. If you're asking me what the Warriors need, if you're offering me like Chris Paul on a veteran's minimum, uh, okay, but I, I got to be honest, I, I don't think that Paul is either this team's backup point guard or it's sixth man or it's seventh man, whatever you want to do to look at it. Like, I, I don't think a 38-year-old Chris Paul is the answer to the Warriors' questions. 
because the Warriors' questions are simply, are you going to be good enough to be back in the playoffs next year, and then what do you do in the playoffs? I can tell you right now, in the playoffs next year, Chris Paul's going to be hurt. He always is. He can't help but not be hurt in the playoffs. That's what you are when you've got more tread off your tires as a 38-year-old in this league than probably anybody. Chris Paul's hamstrings are made out of silk. I just don't think that that's going to help the Golden State Warriors. I, I I really don't. And look, I'm I'm not some Chris Paul hater. I think the guy's pretty good, but you know, at this point, it just doesn't feel like that is the answer. Would it be a trusted agent? Would he have all sorts of veteran uh, sassafras to him? Would he know an awful lot about this league, intrinsic league value in terms of knowledge? Of course he would have all those things. The Warriors need players, not injured players, not soon-to-be-injured players, not guaranteed-to-be-injured-at-the-age-of-38-level players. So, uh, again, I just don't feel like Chris Paul is about to be the answer for the Golden State Warriors, but... You know, if you can pick them up for a song, maybe that turns into an interesting song. We're going to be talking an awful lot about the NBA draft, the plus mock draft. Are we going to dare to do one? Yeah, I guess we will at some point here this week. Um, you know, what the Warriors do at 19 is probably a lot more interesting than me going over names half of you are probably unfamiliar with going to teams that you really don't care about. You're here because you're a Warriors fan. You know that I do what I do around the Warriors probably better than flagship stations. So it's good to have you here. Um, there's other talks of what the Warriors might do at 19th. My my per preferred Warrior draft pick really would be Trace Jackson Davis. There's another kid from Indiana, Jalen Hood Shafino, that is an interesting prospect for sure. Jalen Hood Shafino's got NBA talent, but he's three years away. Jalen Hood Shafino would instantly become the type of rookie that Steve Kerr was uncomfortable playing. He would. He would. He's just, he's really talented. He's big for a two guard. He can handle the ball. He's a volume and streak shooter all at the same time. He's got needed another year in college written all over him, but he's also got so much physical talent that he might be even a lottery pick. I've seen him around the Warriors at 19 too. Like people's opinion of Jalen Hood Shafino run from definitely in the lottery to maybe slipping out of the first round. So he's a huge question mark. When I think of other players that the Warriors might be looking at, again, if you're going front court, I really like Trace Jackson Davis at 19. Uh, I also like Derek Lively, the center from Duke, who, again, I've seen rumored to be possibly in the lottery. I've seen him falling to the end of the first round as well. This guy offers rim protection, real size. Um, a, a, a An awful lot of coaching up needs to be done on offensive acumen, but really what the Warriors need if they're if talking about a front court player is rebounding and rim protection. I think he fills both of those bills. If you're looking for a shooter, maybe it's Jordan Hawkins, the guard out of UConn, who might be the best pure shooter in the draft, but when you're looking at really translatable pro skills, that might be it for him. You know, great shooter, question marks everywhere else is I think a, a, a really good way to describe Jordan Hawkins. Uh, the branded Podzimski kid from Santa Clara. I've heard his name. You know, uh, oh, okay, I, I, I'm i not going to sit here and talk with authority. I haven't seen anything other than some YouTube clips of that guy. Didn't, like you, you know, didn't watch much Santa Clara University basketball, so I can't speak on any great authority with him. Again, no highlight reel. 
is what you should ever walk away saying. I've seen that player. I've seen a highlight reel. I've seen his sizzle clip on YouTube. So now I think I know who the player is. Show me the sizzle reel and then show me the big mistakes reel. You know, don't you ever, anyone can have a really good sizzle reel. There's not a single player whose sizzle reel I've ever watched and thought, oh yeah, he's, he's, he's about to be anything other than great. So, you know, I you got to watch games to know who these players really are. Is a player from Santa Clara really going to be the answer for the Warriors? I don't know. But the kid's an interesting prospect. He is. I think Nick Smith out of Arkansas, who's a guard who is kind of a bucket from three levels on the court, who had a diminished year at Arkansas because of a knee injury, maybe that is a name that you should start familiarizing yourself with because I've seen him to the Warriors at 19 in a few mock drafts as well. Uh, again, go ahead, watch the sizzle reel. It's impressive. They all are. Like, wait and you see my sizzle reel. You'd be like, that guy can set a moving screen. Very impressive. We will hop into Club Plus in just a little bit. How's the chat looking so far this morning? It is already moving and cooking. Thank you very, very much. Um, <laughs> Sporticus, it'll be interesting to see Draymond's plus minus ratio on today's show. Oh, tip of the cap, Sporticus. Thank you very much. That plus minus ratio. Uh, Dray Draymond's usually good in that category. I'd like to see Draymond concentrate a little bit more on scoring. I think if you could bring him back to the Warriors and just say, look, Draymond, we want you to be a little bit more of a front court scorer. We want you to be more aggressive with the ball going to the rim. I've been told, you know, he's he, his skill set is so unique. He doesn't need to score. Uh, okay, but imagine if he did. You know, <laughs> Tell me it gets worse. It doesn't. It only gets better when that guy's a little bit more aggressive. Agressivo. So uh, lots of NBA talk is coming up this week. It's a very interesting week for the Warriors. It's a very interesting week for all your NBA teams. It's a week of growth. I love this stuff. I hope you do too. We're going to have an awful lot of fun with it. Speaking of growth, by the way, real one more quick note before we turn our attention to a little baseball that happened this weekend, specifically some baseball down at Dodger Stadium. Uh, the NBA needs to grow its salary cap, not just because the Warriors are getting crushed punitively with multiple luxury taxes that were almost designed to punish them for wanting to retain star players that they drafted. It's pretty ridiculous, but it's time that the NBA just puts another 50 mil on that salary cap. It really is. Think about this. We all just saw the Charlotte Hornets getting sold last week. Michael Jordan sells the Hornets going for about $3 billion when it's all said and done. So in 2010, the salary cap was $58 million. Fast forward 13 years, the salary cap is now $134 million. That's basically 2.3x higher. It's not quite two and a half times higher. It's about two, two and a third times higher than it was over the course. The Charlotte Hornets, again, back in 2010, they were worth about $200 million. They're just sold for about $3 billion. That's 15x. That's 15 That's 15 times the amount of growth that we've seen for a salary cap. 
It might be an overly simplistic way to talk about the salary cap, but when you look at the way franchises' values have exploded and the salary cap has only sizzled a little bit higher, folks, that's greed. There's no other way to say it. You call, you call it good business, good businessmen, good investing. It's greed. It's greed. Being able to put more money back into your team is something that owners should be akin to, not kind of against. And I guarantee you, you pull most NBA owners, most any owners around all sports. You guys want to grow the salary cap? The answer is, a, if not an outright no, it's a, why would we? Look at the business we're doing under these economic circumstances, which we've set up for ourselves, which we're clearly taking advantage of. It's time to grow. Time to, I, I, how about this? Either grow the salary cap or grow the damn court by a foot and a half in every direction. Players are bigger. Salaries are bigger. Salary demands are bigger than ever before. Give these teams a little bit more room, more cushion to meet these salary demands. Again, all these numbers feel like they're arbitrary. You know What we need is more time, and we would have less rest. Okay, so start your season earlier or end it later. Would anybody give a shit if the NBA Finals wrapped up at the end of June instead of in the beginning or the middle of June? No one would care. We'd watch. Good coffee this morning. I'm happy to report. I hope it's a good coffee day for you as well. Before we get to the Giants, there's just one more note I got to share with you because John ja Morant's camp apparently feels that the NBA and the media are out to get them. John ja Morant's camp feels like the NBA and the media are out to get them. The quote from ESPN's Tim McMahon says, quote, I've heard indirectly that Ja and the people close to Ja, perhaps people formally close to Ja, have this feeling that the NBA is out to get them and that the media is out to get them. Really? What media member keeps filming John Morant pulling out guns and putting them on Instagram? Oh, that's right. It isn't a media member. It's John Morant himself. Now, as far as picking up the bait that John ja gives the media, that's what the media does. It's 2023. The media is out to get everybody. That's what the media does. It's one big game of gotcha. Look at how you screwed up. The best way to prevent that from happening is stop screwing up. Like, especially if you've already, like, served an eight-game suspension for pulling out a gun and you think to yourself, yeah, let's do that again. That's not the media out to get you. That's your own bad habits out to get you, Ja. Seriously, you know who John ja Morant should call? Me. I'm exactly what John Morant needs in his life. He doesn't have enough friends. His father isn't doing his job. Daddy Damon will hook it up. Real simple. And you want the best thing for you, John Morant? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your phone away. I'm going to take your phone away. And anyone who wants to connect you can go through a handler or a bad guy or whatever. Just But you, you don't get your phone anymore. No more Instagram, sweetheart. There, I've just solved every conceivable fucking problem that you've had. You're welcome, Ja. Another satisfied plus customer.
<laughs> hey, Damon, what do you do for a living? Oh, wait, let's make it sound more formal. Ready? So, Damon, what do you do for a living? Well, I host a show on YouTube. I have one of the fastest growing podcasts in America. And also, I help John Morant from being an absolute moron every single chance I get. Doing a hell of a job over here. Seriously, I would be really good at helping Ja. I think I'd be a great commissioner of sports, too. What sports? All sports. Common sense. It's the one thing we got in spades over here. I'm willing to deal them out. Dealing common sense, common sense for you. Common sense, common sense, common sense for everyone. All right. You don't need common sense. All you got to do is look at the standings to see that the Giants are a lot better than you thought that they would be. They are. And by the way, go back to last year when everyone was so down on the Giants. And look, I crushed the Giants for the way that they handled the Carlos Correa thing, and they might have dodged a bullet there, but the way that they handled it was unbecoming. Um, I told you that this team was going to be better than anyone thought it would be. And it wouldn't be nearly as bad as its most vocal detractors insisted it would be. Well, the Giants just has had a historically great weekend at Dodger Stadium, and they're on a pretty good tear beyond that. 22 wins in their last 31 games, including three straight road sweeps. All of a sudden, I'm throwing pictures of Broomhilda up on the internet more, more than I thought I would. Broomhilda keeps on getting on the airplane and following the Giants to these road games. Giants just had... A road sweep, the incredibly rare 6-0 road trip. They haven't had many of those. No team has many of those 6-0 road trips. They just got their first sweep down in L.A. in 11 years. Friday, the Giants won in dramatic fashion. On Saturday, they win in historic fashion. And then on Sunday, even though it was a little bit of a heart attack at the end there, Camillo Duvall came in and shut the door in a game where you didn't think you were going to have to open the bullpen door for Camillo Duvall to come jogging out of it, but he did have to come in and save the day. Business-like fashion, shall we say, on Sunday for the three-game sweep. That Saturday game, you had Brandon Crawford even getting four hits, his first first four-hit game of the year. It was a 15 to nothing route. The Giants' second-largest shutout victory all time against the Dodgers, the only other time they ever shut out the Dodgers louder than that was 16 to nothing at the polo grounds back in July of 1949 it's the most lopsided shutout win for the Giants ever at Dodger Stadium happy Father's Day eh, it was fa Father's Day came early by the way I did because Jillian thought Father's Day was last weekend. I did get double Father's Day. I got a really nice biscuit, bacon, breakfast served up Sunday, Father's Day. The week after, we got greeted with Father's Day cards on the Sunday before Father's Day. Remember, honey, the Father's Day always corresponds with the U.S. Open, not the Canadian Open. 29 runs, the most the Giants have ever scored in a three-game series in L.A. Giants went 18 for 43 with runners in scoring position. And again, 
They've won seven straight overall, six in a row on the road. They're 22 wins in their last 31 games as a 700 winning percentage, which over that stretch of games is the best winning percentage in all of Major League Baseball. So the Giants just had not only a successful month, but it was a successful month really buoyed by this now clear youth movement that is happening. And if you're a Giants fan, these are good times. These are good times because not only have you got a team that's out there doing a little bit of winning, but you're winning with some homegrown talent, and that is the most exciting I think baseball fans are ever allowed to be in a city. When you see a crop of your own rookies come up and you see right away, like, hey, that guy's going to stick. Like, that guy's not going to be on a bus to freaking Sacramento anytime soon. You know, Matos is here boys and girls. That guy can play. Schmidt is here. Bailey is here. These kids are here to stay. Here to stay. That's exciting when you're looking at it like three rookies. That guy, that guy, that guy, they're all here to stay. That's good news because normally that's the opposite of news that you get from Giants prospects. Normally they're here to disappoint quickly, be sent back down to the minors, toil there, never really make it one way or another. So maybe this is just a different crop. Uh, Nothing's ever easy, though. Nothing is ever easy. And Wilmer Flores coming out of Dodger Stadium is on the injured list. Alex Cobb now is on the injured list. Mitch Haniger is on the injured list. Casey Schmidt, Scott Alexander get dinged up in L.A. So we'll see how those guys look going forward. You're going to see a lot of new names helping the Giants through this stretch of who's hurt today. Keaton Wynn, Tristan Beck, Rookie Ryan Walker, I believe, has been named the opener for tonight's bullpen game. And it's a massive seven-game homestand that the Giants are starting with tonight. You got the Padres in town for four. The Padres have been a disappointment. The Giants are now a second-place team. They leapfrogged in front of the Dodgers with their win uh, this weekend in L.A. So Giants are sitting in second place. The Padres are in fourth place, and in first place are the Arizona Diamondbacks, and after the Padres come to town for four, you get the Diamondbacks for three. So seven really big games in a row for the Giants at 24 Willie Mays Plaza, and if you are a Giants fan, I mean it. Congratulations. Welcome to an interesting baseball team in a summer that you thought you'd be very, it'd be a dismissible summer. Giants are interesting. What more do you want? than being interesting with your own crop of rookies. That's about as good as baseball gets, boys and girls. That's about as good as baseball gets. The A's, meanwhile, are back to being the Oakland A's. They've lost five straight. They were just swept at home by Philadelphia. Uh, They got a six-game road trip. Three in Cleveland, four, no, three in Cleveland, three in Toronto. Then they return home next meet, week to meet the Yankees. And, you know, the overall feeling around this team now is that they're as good as gone. And the only thing that has to happen is for the T's to be crossed and the I's dotted by those involved. Uh, the governor's going to sign the bill, and then baseball's owners will approve the move. Feels like that's the only real outcome here. And the only thing you got to root for now, honestly, is for John Fisher and Dave Cavill to screw it up. And it is within their capabilities to do so. I believe that. But 
I think that there is so much momentum now to Vegas that it's something that baseball really, really wants. And baseball will step in to help the Fisher Cavill team moron to figure this out. I saw in the Huddle Up newsletter offered by, uh, authored by Joe Pamplano, uh, just look at the success that the Golden Knights are enjoying. Now, obviously, there's an extreme there of them being the first homegrown team in town. There is the extreme of in the first year together, they were in the Stanley Cup final. Six years later, they have won the Stanley Cup final. It's been a massive line of cocaine of success for the Golden Knights. Um. They're now one of the NHL's most lucrative markets. And remember, a lot of people also said that hockey's really not going to work in Vegas. Well, they sell out every night. Their valuation in 2017 was $500 million, the price of buying into the NHL. Right now, they're valued at about a billion dollars. And it is that formula that Vegas very much hopes the A's end up falling into. And baseball will hope the A's end up falling into. Will they? I don't know. Uh, when it comes to a winning formula, I, I got to tell you, I think we we have it here on the plus. We're growing. We got more subscribers today than we did on Friday. I mean, it continues to grow. We're not far away from 6,000. And again, that is a humble scoop, uh, scoop of subscribers, comparatively speaking to the rest of YouTube. But in the growing just first few months here, that's a very good thing. And I'll tell you, for the very first time, and this is hardly a viral video, but the most successful video that I've put up is on its way to 8,000 views. And it wasn't about the Giants. It wasn't about the A's. It wasn't about Bob Myers. It wasn't about anything in Bay Area sports. It was about Shohei Otani. I put up a video on Saturday of Shohei Otani while he was having another big series, hitting a couple home runs over the weekend. Um, I think that sent people into YouTube Googling his name and maybe my videos popping up there. Let me tell you, I got picked up by the Japanese algorithm. Uh, dude, I, I love you, Japanese algorithm. Get me to you. Um, and and uh, dude, I, I'm going to be giving Otani updates. Not just because it appeals to the algorithm, but it appeals to me too. And my argument is, you can stop the presses. He's already the greatest player in the history of Major League Baseball. There's no one better. There's never been anyone better. And every single time he goes out there, he sort of proves what I'm trying to say. So more Otani coming up here on the Blues. I can promise you that. Uh, cheers to Wyndham Clark, who won the U.S. Open. Rory's putter let him down. Wyndham Clark, by the way, is about as I mean, other than Brandel Chambly, you can't find a more that guy golf's name than Wyndham Clark. So we certainly got the name to fit the bill of U.S. Open champion. But the guy is very rarely on any leaderboard in a major. So a new name of golf kind of emerging. All right. Scott here on the uh, on the chat says Trace would be a great pick for Golden State. I think I might agree with that. 
And I always love hopping into the chat, and that's what we're going to do right now on Club Plus. If you tuned in this morning, this afternoon, this evening on the podcast, I thank you very much and deeply for doing so. We've got a little fun to have over on YouTube, but for those on the podcast, again, we're going to leave you right here in saying thank you so much for tuning in. Big week coming up on Damon Bruce Plus. We got John Dickinson, Marcus Thompson, Nick Friedel, and hopefully an awful lot of you as we get into the NBA draft on Thursday. Thank you very much for tuning in, and please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it, and like that, he's gone.